0: you may believe, okay, that's what John's gospel is about, so make no doubt about it, the Christian message is about converting people, that you may believe, something that previously, part of reality, okay, yeah, that we can believe, part of reality that previously we were blind to, properly stubborn to, and what happens when somebody comes to believe is they get converted, that they believe. And you know, sometimes we use that belief word in an odd way, don't we? Uh, We don't use, well, what we'll say is, I believe that something happens. I believe that Adolf Hitler did some things in the middle part of last century. And what we can do is, because it's the part of last century, we don't have to engage with it at all. But that's different, because what we find in... John's gospel in the 85 times that belief and believing is mentioned in just 21 chapters 85 times belief is always not belief that something is the case belief in so you can believe that Adolf Hitler existed and did something in the middle of the last century and you can believe that without believing in him can't you you may even be in a terribly precarious position that you believe that Jesus lived, died, rose again and he is more important than anything else. You can believe that that is true but you can do it without believing in him. Do you see the difference? To believe in is an active personal investment. It's, it's an alive thing. It's not like, uh, I take a test today, I believe that, 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 that. No, no, that's not believe that, believe that. That's not belief in. And this gospel here is given so that people like you and people like me believe in him increasingly. It shapes and remakes us. Belief is, well it has a depth to it, doesn't it? Can I ask how's the depth of your belief today? You will have a measure of belief in something called, is it in Jesus and has it got depth? Can you think of something to aim for better than having a others to believe, we're going to find in this passage that we look at today, are very much tied together. Perhaps even as you start to think on this and think, well this isn't that important Steve, that is telling you something. That's telling you something about the state of your heart. If the second I say, think about growing and believing in Jesus, and you start clocking up a whole stack of reasons why not to listen, or thinking that it's boring, in and of itself that's telling you something. It's giving you a window into the spiritual reality of, of how you tick. And if you're in that point, you need to pray right now, right in your and you say, Lord, if there is something excited about who Jesus is that I haven't been excited about, but you want me to be excited about, Lord, help me, have mercy on my soul. So to help us believe and help others believe more, that you may believe, I need to teach you the most important skill of 2014. Okay? And you're right now, you're thinking, what's the most important skill of 2014? For some of you sitting there thinking, the most important skill I can learn is how to handle my kids. The most important skill I can learn for 2014 is how to handle my money. The most important skill I can learn for 2014 is to have to wring more things into the diary and jam more stuff in. Okay, that's not it. Can I tell you the most important skill and this is for the glory of God it's this for your joy and for God's glory the most important skill is deciding what you will pay attention to can I say that again? for your joy and God's glory the most important skill is deciding what you will pay attention to because we're overwhelmed aren't we? We're overwhelmed with information on Google. We are overwhelmed with adverts on telly. We are overwhelmed with the pressure to keep up appearances, whether that is physically or on Facebook. And how many hours do you lot waste on Facebook? We are overwhelmed with interruptions from the phone. We are overwhelmed with nagging kids. We are overwhelmed with videos on TV. We are overwhelmed with the pressure to earn and to spend it the way that other people say that we should spend it. We are overwhelmed with everything, and everything uh, demands immediate attention. Everything demands total attention. And sometimes, quite often, what we'll do is we'll just buzz off the fact that there's always something new going on, and we're just sitting there. You watch this. Sorry, teenagers, I want to speak about you guys. That's what's going on at Wednesday Club. They sit down in the chill-out area, and they're like, what have you been listening to? What have you been clicking on to? What have you been downloading? Yeah, that happens when you get to my age, the brain explodes. You can just about do it until you're about 28, 29, and it will collapse. We like little
1: meerkats. Do you know the little meerkats? You see the little pictures of the meerkats?
0: They jump up and they're all in a big pack and they're like. Always looking for something. We can't help ourselves. Things demand our attention and we give our attention to them. What will you buy? What will you watch? What will you do? What will you think? What will you plan? What will you invest with? Who will you teach? Who will you be with? Who will you follow? Are you skilled at deciding what to pay attention to and by default deciding what not to? You can't say yes to one thing without saying no to something else. What are the controlling influences? Have you, got, have you reclaimed your plan? You will be giving your attention to something. And the big skill of 2014 is how not to be swamped. How to decide what to give your attention to. And I want some of you, and I have to say this to myself as well, I want some of you to stop acting like you don't have a choice. Because you do. Don't you? You do have a choice as to how much tell you watch. You do have a choice as to what you spend your money on. You do have a choice as to how much time you spend on social media. You do have a choice whether to come to the prayer meeting or not. There is not a single person in this room who cannot come to the prayer meeting if they didn't want to. Not a single one of you. And I have to say that to myself as well. We've got to be honest with ourselves, haven't we? We've got loads of things that clamor our attention. The skill for this year is deciding what we give our attention to. And that is exactly what is at the heart of this little story in the Bible. You've got people making, giving their attention to things left, right and centre in here. Some making good, wise choices. Others making horrendous choices. And so we're going to go through this little story to help us decide what we're going to give controlling influence in our lives. Because you will give it to something. You will. That's just a fact, okay? And it all starts in a in well, well, rather an interesting place. Look down at verse 27 for me, will you? It all starts with an unanswered question and a surprise. Okay? Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Nobody went up to Jesus and said, what is it you're choosing to do? What are you trying to achieve? What are you giving your attention to, Jesus? They saw him doing something that confused them and thought, huh? But none of them stopped to say, Jesus, where are you focused right now? now? The disciples had gone for a sandwich or a pizza or something like that. As we heard earlier, there was the, Jesus waited at the well, he got a drink from this woman, and amazing things started to happen. It was intentional, we find actually, if we kick back to the beginning of, of chapter 4, we find that he travelled through Samaria intentionally to go and pursue this woman. He didn't need to travel the way he did, but he had in mind that he was going to go after this woman and bring blessing into her life, bring her a revelation of who she is, and a revelation of who he is. Jesus intentionally pursued this unlikely and despised woman for doing the work of harvesting. But the disciples didn't even bother to ask Jesus, what how are you allotting your time? What are you giving time and attention to? They just thought, mm, very interesting. I wonder what that could be a description of you. Walking with Jesus but with no attention to what his priorities are? morning, and you've heard Steve wave his hands around, shout and get excited, and it's just another phrase, and you never stop to pause, you may be a little bit surprised, but you never stop to pause and go, what's this really all about? What's Jesus really up to? And what we see from this woman, verse 27, let's read it, just then his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming towards him. So you see what happens. When Jesus goes harvesting, when he goes after somebody, the impact is life-changing. We'll look at the early part of chapter 4 in a few weeks' time, so I don't want to steal too much from it. But it's enough to say that as Jesus met with this woman... He confronted her with him, with herself. Do you hear what she said? In fact, twice in this passage. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And that's what it looks like to meet with Jesus. You get a revelation of who you are and what you like. Did Jesus say, and on this day you did this, and on this day you did this, and on this day you did this? No. What Jesus did was he gave her a window, a window into her own soul so that she could sense her need and then not only did he confront her number one with herself he confronted her with himself verse 25 tracking back a bit the woman said I know that Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us he will give me a hope he will fill me with the living water you've been talking about he will make me a true worshipper and Jesus declared verse 26 I who speak to you am he do you see what's happened? I see my need, and I see that my need has been provided for by Jesus. He is the one I've been seeking all my life without even realising it. And what was the result? What did she do? Did she get back on her Kindle? Did she what did she do? What did she do? have got any idea how significant that is? What had that town done to her? They had excluded her out of the town to the point where she would be out in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, collecting water on her own so she didn't have to run the gauntlet of other people's disapproval. She had her diary controlled by her failure and by the cruelty of other people. And in this moment, who did she go back to? The people who previously she was scared of. The people who previously had controlled and and taken over her life, but now that she has meet, met Jesus, now that she knows she is so loved, know that now that she has had His attention, now, I mean, look, I love it. Those five words there, and leaving her water jar. That water jar was a picture of a life that she kept on trying to fill up and was always empty the next day. And what she's done with it now? I've met Jesus. I don't need it no more. He's changed no longer controlled by what I used to do or by what other people used to do to me he has given me power, approval, affirmation confidence, drive, a new lease of life, I believed in him, he said to the townspeople you can imagine the sink I need to come see a man who told me everything I ever did, (laughs) love (laughs) we already know everything you already did, oh yeah but she wasn't scared anymore. Because Jesus had forgiven her sin and become her saviour. His attention, Her attention now was less on other things, her past, her enemies, her thirsts. He was the one who got her attention. He was the controlling influence. And she starts doing what Jesus had done with her. She starts harvesting. She can't help it. When you've received the harvesting attention of Jesus, you can't help but want to do it Yourself? I suppose she realises how much attention he had given her. And it energised her. It's that something you've done very often. It's hard, isn't it? We always find it easy to believe that the Lord has remembered everybody else but us. Not if the Bible I read is true. The bigger problem is that you and I forget how much we are loved. We are loved eternally. We are pursued individually. The Lord looks on us, and then when we're in Christ, he smiles and says, I am for you. So have you any idea how much love God God has for you? Have you got any idea of the riches he has called you to, and the damnation that he has rescued you from? Does that get your attention? Answer, I'll be able to tell. How will I be able to tell from this passage? How will I be able to tell if the attention that Jesus has given you has captured your attention? How will I be able to tell? Because it's what you want to talk about. It's what shapes your time and what you're thinking and praying for other people. It will show in your keenness to seek him and open his word. Isn't it a good job that he gives more attention to us than we give attention to him? Isn't that a relief today? It's only relief for our church, isn't it? It's only relief for my soul. I've given plenty of attention to the telly recently, and my soul wasn't any better for it. Uh, the whole encounter seemed a little bit weird. Then you're in good company, and we need to move through a bit faster because the disciples, like I say, they were a bit surprised. In one translation, it's marvelled. Verse 27 again. Just then his disciples came back. They marvelled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said to him, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The disciples blessed them. What's their attention on? Come on, answer this one for me. What's their attention on? Verse that's something. Thirty one 32, 33, a bit of 34 What's their attention on? Food In fact in the older translations They put in meat Now is food And meat A good thing Yes It's a great thing You should have as much of it as is healthy Enjoy it It's a gift from God But should it have ultimate claim on your life No should it be the thing that gets your attention? No. And the thing that we need to realise is that food has a powerful and prominent position in John's Gospel. If we flip through just two chapters, do you remember there's the feeding of the 5,000? Do you remember there's the crowds who hoard after Jesus because he gave them food, physical food? Food, in John's Gospel, so often it is a picture of the thing that... Well, just that reality that we're obsessed with stuff here, now. Toys, health, quick satisfaction. That's what it's a bit of a picture of. And that's what they're so excited about. In the disciples, we see that they can so easily be distracted and blind to spiritual things because of other good stuff around them. So perhaps it's a little bit like this for you. All they see is the next bill the next TV series, the next New Year resolution, the next diet plan, the next party, the next book's holiday, the next season of The Apprentice, the next new phone, the next FA Cup tie, the next new video game, the next whatever else you want to add into that. And that's the thing that's got the best of their attention. Do you know that temptation? I put my hands up and say I am as guilty as these disciples of just missing the priorities of Jesus because I'm filling my face on other things. And the secret that I know about you guys is that you struggle with that too. Isn't that wonderful that the Lord Jesus has given us this bit of the Bible to wake us up? Look what he says to or Look what happens there, uh, verse 31. Meanwhile, some disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What's he talking about? But we'll find out in a minute each other and they're like has somebody else given him a pussy don't get this utterly blind has the pizza man been could someone have bought him food and jesus says verse 34 my food said jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work the will of him who sent me we can look a flick over will you? It's john chapter 6 verse 38 and 39 two pages over three pages over two pages over Chapter 6, verse 38 and 39. This is what Jesus says. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at that last day. He's gathering in the harvest of souls that the Lord has laid his hand upon. you see that? It's a harvest for eternal life about finishing his work? Flick over to John chapter 17 verse 4. John chapter 17 verse 4. Could have gone many places here, but we should go with this one for the moment. The Lord Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, prays to his Father and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus completed his mission. He didn't lose uh, attention. He didn't get distracted. He went to call and to save and to do the work that was achieved. And he says, it's harvest time. I'm gathering, I'm calling, I'm drawing people to believe in me. I'm busy that they may believe. That's where my attention is, says Jesus. I live for it. It feeds me. It energizes me. It gives me sustenance. And what's more, I want you to join in with me. You notice in those verses, let's read them there. But verse thirty hold on, verse thirty-five. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest, i.e., there's an anticipation of the, the results of the hard work previously done? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the Bringing in souls and restoring them to God is here. From the day he arrives to the day he future returns, that is harvest time. It's the day when we can be gathered into Jesus. Verse 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruits for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap uh, that for which you did not labour. Others have laboured and you have entered into uh, their labour. What's he saying? Your joy and gladness, as a believer, if you are one today, your joy and gladness is tied up with how much you are on board with Jesus' agenda of harvesting. That's quite shocking really, isn't it? The depth of our spiritual walk, the enjoyment of his grace... There's an interplay tied with how focused and how attentive you are to his priority of seeing you gathering in and the harvesting of souls. You notice that, well, yeah, food energizes, brings gladness, it's fullness, it's delight. He's saying there's a partnership. I've done the hard work, I've sown, I've achieved salvation and I'm achieving it. All you've got to do is go in and reap and gather and there's a great wage. There's a great joy. There's, I've done the work and you get to enjoy the spoils. Be on mission gathering with me, and you will know gladness, and fullness, and energy, and delight. Go for it, is what he says. So as you look at these two people, as you look at the woman, yeah, and as you look at the disciples. Woman, met Jesus, buzzing. Disciples, focused on food. Which one is thriving, and which one is surviving? Which one is thriving and which is surviving? Weston used the word thriving early, didn't you? Yeah. It's the ones who are on board with Jesus. Will there be many obstacles to overcome? Will there be people who scorned and laughed at her? Will there be difficulties in moving towards people? Will all of our problems be answered in that moment? Well, they certainly won't all be answered in that moment. But who's the one who's thriving? It's the woman. Who's the one who is just surviving? I reckon there's enough honesty in the room to know that some of us have just been surviving for a little while, haven't we? Can I tell you the Lord loves you too much to want you to stay there? He doesn't want you to stay there. That's why He's giving, giving the call of this verse here. He's calling us don't just, don't just survive, thrive. And it's so easy, isn't it? And that's the whole point of verses 35 through to 38 there. Jesus has done the hard work, He has sowed, He has come. Everyone looks forward to his reaping And he says just get gathering Labourers required Come and enjoy the process of me Building an eternal kingdom Be on board with it in whichever way is appropriate to you So let's go back to the original question Where's your attention? Where is your attention? Have you woken up to the fact That you will always be hungry If like the disciples you All your food and the only food you have Is the food of this world The next whatever it is that demands your focus or is believing and helping others increasingly on your agenda? Believing and helping others believe. Therefore, I'm so glad, it's prayer week this week. Isn't this a good place to start? Prayer week. Search me, O oh God, remember that? See if there is any offensive way in me. Know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the path everlasting. You've got a detox week. A time to say, whoa, to all the stuff that's clamoring and demanding. What might that look like for you? Well, we said fasting is one way of doing it. Okay? Maybe, for some of you, it is switching off the phone. Maybe, for some of you, and we're doing this in our household, whether the kids want to or not, maybe, for some of you, it's switching off the telly. I found this quote, at the very least challenging and thought-provoking. This is from a prominent pastor in the States. This is what he says. Television is one of the of the modern age. And of course the internet is running to catch up and may have caught up. But you can be more selective on the internet, but you can also select worse things with only the judge of the universe watching. TV still reigns as the great life waster. The main problem with TV is not how much smut is available, though that is a problem. Just the ads are enough to sow fertile seeds of greed and lust, no matter what program you're watching. Now the greater problem is banality. A mind fed daily on TV diminishes. Your mind that was made to know and love God, its facility for this great calling is ruined by excessive TV. The content is so trivial and so shallow that the capacity of the mind to think worthy thoughts with us and the capacity uh, of the head to feel deep emotions shrivels. At the very least, by virtue of the number of books that that pastor has sold, it's worth at least dwelling on his thoughts and thinking, I wonder whether there's an ounce of wisdom that I could take in my life. What else could you do in prayer week? Well, I said switch off the telly. But what, see, what would I do if I switched off the telly? I might have to be left alone with my thoughts and pray. And woe betide me, pick up the Bible and read... Did you know, it's quite convenient this, did you know there's 21 chapters in John's Gospel that we're going to be looking at over the next three months? And if you break that down, it fits exactly into sevens. Which means, for those of you who are mathematically astute, if you start tomorrow, by the end of next Sunday, doing just three chapters a day, which takes a grand total of about 12 or 15 minutes, you could have read the whole of John's Gospel. Do you know how much you will have suffered by not watching the telly in that t- time? None at all. I always demands attention. But what if I miss such and such doing this on Coronation Street? What if I don't update my status? Those people that I've worked so hard to grab the attention of and show off to, oh, they might sort of forget me. But if they do, then weren't worth having them remember you anyway. Two. Just look at what happens here. Verse 39 to 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. So you see what Jesus said is happening. The harvest. They're coming. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of, what the woman te- because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Can you see the two things that you need to be a harvester there? Number one, you need a heart that is thrilled with what Jesus has done for you. To the point where you're no longer ashamed of saying, this is what I was like, but this is the one I've met. Now, I don't know what your personality type is, and we don't know what her personality type is. But the assumption of Scripture is that however you express it, it doesn't matter what your personality type is, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there will be within you a heart thrill at what Jesus has done for you. That in some way will issue in you moving towards other people. Do you see that? Now, for some of us who are gregarious... It might be just bubbling out of us when we walk into a room. People are like, oh, get rid of the crazy. But for others of us, it might be just a slow, gentle, prayerful approach that bides its time praying every day, earnestly every day, for an opportunity and then makes that happen when it arrives. I don't know. But this isn't personality dependent. This is about the motivation and thrill of the heart of what Jesus has done for you. So... If you're a believer today, you've got a testimony, you've got a story of what he has done for you. Flick over the bit of paper that I gave you, what can you see on the back? What's on the back? It says this, your testimony of believing in him. I've just given you five points that you can go away with today. Sit down and just write out a sketch of what Jesus has done for you. What were you living for and what were you like before, you, uh, before, oops, before Jesus was part of your life, i are supposed to say. What happened to make you take interest in who Jesus is? What did he show you about yourself and himself? What did you do about it and what difference has, it, has that made in your life now? So what I suggest you do, I suggest everybody does this, and if you've got a good reason not to, come and tell me, because I can't see a good reason why anybody wouldn't do this. Uh, I may have missed something, I don't know what it is, maybe you can only read in Swahili or something, but uh, everybody should do this, take 10-15 minutes, just sketch it out, then you go and find a Christian brother or sister and say, can I try it on you? So I'll sit down with Sarah and say, Sarah, I just want to tell you why Jesus means so much to me, and I try to explain it to her, and she listens and says, that's really helpful and encouraging, why don't you try and say this a little bit differently, it makes it a little bit more clear, but otherwise, just go for it. And then what you do is you plan to show somebody who's not a believer. What you do is you say something like this to you, and you say, at the appropriate time, so I'd love to be able to tell you why Jesus is such an important part in my life. Do you mind if I just take two minutes just to explain to you really simply, and then maybe that might be helpful to you. I think the vast majority of people that we've got a relationship with who are believers wouldn't object to you saying can I take a minute to explain why Jesus is so important to me it's quite low impact isn't it so I've even given you the thing to work on I'm not saying some of you will take this and think I'm going to do three people by the end of Friday may the Lord bless you but it is my hope and prayer that what is or that what needs to happen would happen Jesus and was associated with this church would share their testimony with an unbeliever before the end of this year. Is that a realistic thing to shoot for? It's, I'm really glad to see so many of you nodding because it really is, isn't it? Does that drive the life out of some of you? fries the life out of me. But if you don't plan to do it, if you don't give it your attention, I guarantee you won't do it. But why don't you join the band of the rest of us who are faltering, failing, scared, silly, but uh, because. Of what Jesus has done, you want to give it a go. You could do that, couldn't you? I said there were two things that this woman here needed to be able to be a harvester. Number one was a thrill in her heart that moved about who Jesus was, that moved her to want to move towards others. The other thing is, be a growing grasp of the word, because it says here that many people. Let's get the verse right. Verse uh, Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So as we tell of what Jesus has done, don't be surprised if the Lord uses that and brings a measure of belief in people. Or at least inquiry. But that wasn't where he got left, was it? So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed with them, and because of his words, his words about who he is, his Bible, Many more became believers. So on the one hand, what we want is a growing confidence to share the story of what Jesus has done with us. On the other hand, what we want is a growing confidence to be able to open God's word with people. And I know for some of you, you want to run a mile at that thought. I'm not suggesting that by the back end of next week, you should be leading a bunch of Bible studies down the pub. I'm not saying that. I'm saying here that there was no miracle done. But people came to new life as they heard the words of Jesus simply opened before them. And so one of the things that Anthony and I have put as a priority is, as we teach through this series on John's Gospel, the main point of it is, number one, worshipping Jesus and growing in belief. But number two, it's is giving you tools to help you be able to explain God's word to other people. Some of you who are parents still don't read the Bible regularly with your family. You should do that because Jesus deserves it. Some of you have got, uh, don't meet up with people from church to pray and read together. We want to try and quickly see so you can open a passage of John's Gospel, look in and say, yeah, and then pray about it together. And pray into your lives. So Anthony and I are going to be working very hard to help you think about how you could explain what happens in that story to somebody else who you open it with. Maybe somebody who's a believer, maybe somebody who is yet to be a believer. That's what the Lord Jesus is giving his attention to. That's what he's calling the disciples into. It is harvest time. Jesus has done the hard work. We're to be gatherers. That is what it means to give him the best of your attention. It is what his attention is on now. I've got to tell you, this is just exciting. As I was preparing this, I was excited about telling you that the Lord Jesus is going to be doing stuff amongst us. And then you're sitting there going, well, it's really hard. It doesn't seem like it's very white to harvest. It's round and speak at the moment. He says just try. Add up. If we were to add up the number of times that somebody in this room has shared the gospel in the last 12 months with somebody from Speak, I guess we would not get into triple figures. Imagine. I don't know what the number is, I don't even care. Take that number and step it up again. I don't care what that number is. This year will be the year that we step up harvesting what Jesus has done for us and offering the word to people who don't yet know him. Oh, I do, I do hope and I pray that that excites you and gets you on board. It is thriving. It's so exciting because it means there's a reason for you to be and speak and it's better than just surviving. It's thriving. Giving him your attention and being on board with him. And so we're going to sing a song about him. We're going to sing about the song who He's the king who is undefeatable. We're going to sing a song about the king who overcame our sin, who's the saviour of the world. We're going to sing about the fact that his love is amazing. I'm going to enjoy singing it together and give it our full attention. Let's stand to sing together.